Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Neil, and I'm one of the pastors here at The Edge. We're so glad to have you join us today. I want to start by just saying Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of you dads out there. Um, I know that uh, what you do is important, and you're just so appreciated by us here in our church community. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, we started this brand new sermon series. Um, into uh, the, It's a journey into the book of Acts, and we've called it Empowered. And, and really, the title reflects the passion that God has for his mission, for turning um, the hearts of his people back to him through the empowering of his followers by sending us into the world. And the good news is, is that he never sends us somewhere that he doesn't walk with us. But he goes with us in the form of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who walks with us and encourages us and corrects us and empowers us to be faithful witnesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is our only hope of heaven. I appreciated that Pastor Steve shared last week a, a little bit about the misconceptions that people tend to have about the Holy Spirit. People have all these ideas about this, this force or this life force that, that the, the Spirit's an it, and none of those things are true. The Spirit is God, God the Holy Spirit. And, and if we don't know uh, about God the Holy Spirit, if we don't know what the Holy Spirit is all about, then we may think at times that we are following his lead when we are actually doing anything but that. I want to start by just asking you, how do we know if we're being led by the Holy Spirit? Um, everything we believe goes back to Scripture. So anything that we ask about God, we know about from Scripture. So th there's a very simple scriptural test. Uh, we can read this in John 16, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said this about God the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> he said, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So really simply, if we do anything that is not glorifying to Jesus. And, and I'm not talking about the Jesus that, that you wish Jesus was. If, if you got to, to pick all the things that you like about Jesus and get rid of the things that you don't. I'm not talking about the Jesus created in your own image or in the image that you wish he was created in, but the Jesus revealed to us in the Bible. If you are not glorifying that Jesus, then you are undoubtedly not being led by the Holy Spirit but by your own wishes and your own desires. So today we are going to continue in this series with a little bit of a twist. Um, today, like I mentioned, is Father's Day. And for some of you, that's hard. And for others of you, that isn't. Some of you have had less than good examples of dads in your lives. And others of you would credit your dads for helping you become the very people that you are today. Like, this is a great day. My last Father's Day with my dad was in 2015. And to be honest, I've done almost everything in my power to avoid preaching on Father's Days since then. Because it, it really is a particular pain point for me. I didn't grow up in a demonstrably Christian home when I was younger. Uh, both of my parents were pretty lapsed believers. They grew up in Christian homes and then they sort of walked away from it. 
And they came back to Jesus right around the time that I became a Christian, my senior year of college. And I watched them change a lot. I mean, so much. It was amazing. My dad, in particular, became a student of the Bible. And when I say that, I don't just mean like he, he had devotional time in the morning. What I mean is he like poured over scripture. He, he studied it. He <clears throat> studied Greek and Hebrew. And he, he really took a deep dive into it so that he could understand who God was and, and so he could grab a hold of the heart of God. As a matter of fact, my dad ended up teaching training classes for students who were, who were getting ready to become pastors. So my dad helped certify pastors when he was never a pastor himself. Up until the very end of his life, he texted me every Sunday morning one of two things. He either wrote, preach the word or preach the gospel. And I have friends in my life that still do that today anytime they know that I'm going to preach. Now, here's the thing. My, my dad knew the secret to life. He discovered that when he rediscovered Jesus. And he wasn't shy in talking with anyone. He'd often have coffee and a sausage biscuit at McDonald's in the morning while he poured over the Bible. And he looked for opportunities to tell the workers and tell people at McDonald's or wherever he went about Jesus. He pointed everyone to him. And I'm so grateful for his ongoing influence in my life far beyond the grave. The grave didn't hold Jesus, and it certainly isn't holding my dad either. Today, we're going to talk about empowered dads. My dad was one of those. Empowered dads. We're going to look at two examples of fatherhood in the Bible. And we're going to see what we can learn from both. And then we're going to end today with some discussion, discussion questions and prayer. I want to share a few thoughts before we get into the text today. And the first thought is this. Um, there is no hope for us as fathers to lead our children to know Jesus apart from being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Don't even try to do it. You can't do it on your own. It doesn't make any sense. This is God's institution. Um, we are his people, and we need to be empowered by God in the way that he says that we need to be empowered in order to accomplish anything of significance for the kingdom of God. Acts, the book of Acts is all about people being empowered by the Holy Spirit and going out and accomplishing the mission of God with the Spirit of God in them. Here's the thing, dads. You can't just be good enough on your own to honor God and, and know how to lead your children. It's just not going to work. God created your family, so, so submit yourselves to him. Uh, the, the second thing is, as I believe that as you listen to these two stories, you're probably going to relate to elements in both of them, good and bad. I, I want to make sure that you are not receiving any of this as condemnation. And you're also not looking at it as, as a list of do's and don'ts. Or you're trying to be perfect and you, you realize, well, I'm actually not going to be able to do that, so I shouldn't even try. Don't do any of that. Hear both of these stories as encouragement for you to, to more fully entrust yourselves to the Lord so that you might lead your kids to him. Not so that you can strive to be perfect. You just can't do it. You can only point them to the one who is. Finally, before we get started, some of you with grown children may be tempted to think that you've messed up so badly that there's no going back. And you're just thinking, well, I guess, I guess my time has passed and, and I, I, I hope my kids figure it all out. I want you to know that that is condemnation that comes straight from the enemy of our souls, the devil. That is not for you. Our God is the God of second chances. 
He's all about second chances. Sin and failure and doom and loss does not have the right to reign in your life or in your parenting, no matter how old you are and no matter how old your children are. Ask God to help you know how to play a role in their lives today. And if you need to today or tomorrow, go to your adult kids and own something that you've never owned. I encourage you to do that. You will not regret it because no matter how your kids respond, God is going to meet you in that space. Let's pray and get into these passages. God, I wanna thank you today for fathers. It is your idea, God, to, to give us dads. We thank you for them, and we thank you that you are the ultimate father. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would encourage every single person that hears this to be hungry for, for, for the things that, that move your heart. Lord, let's start with your Spirit. We ask you for more of your Holy Spirit. I pray that your Spirit would guide families, dads, and moms, and kids. I just pray over the Edge Church community, that all of our families would experience a greater level of closeness with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so the first story that we're going to go to is in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. It's in chapter 2, and it's the story of Eli. Eli was uh, the high priest, and, and he had sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who served under him as priests. So they were adults. They served underneath their dad, who was the high priest, um, from, from the, the tribe of, of Levi. Like these were, this was the priestly family. The, 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 all of the priests came from this particular family. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. <laughs> God is very direct. It says, Eli's sons were scoundrels. Not a good start. It says they had no regard for the Lord. Now, it was the practice of priests that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled and would plunge the fork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. Whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the person said to him, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over now. And if you don't, I'll take it by force. You can tell, even though you might not be familiar with like exactly what's going on here, this is not good behavior on, on the part of the priests. Uh, Eli's sons were doing great evil. Um, so it says, the sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Now, we're going to skip ahead just a little bit to stick with this storyline uh, to verses 22 through 25. It says, Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. <laughs> 
This is a heavy story. It's a heavy story. And it gets worse. God sent a prophet to confront Eli. Um, it start in verses 27 through 29, it says that this, this prophet who came to confront Eli. Remember, Eli didn't do this. It was his sons who did it. Yet God still sent a prophet to confront Eli, the father. It says, this is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to the, your ancestors' family while they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod in my presence. I, gave, I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? I'm not going to read all that the prophet said to, to Eli, but I'm going to share uh, the judgment that he pronounced that was from God on Eli and his family. Basically, we're told that God would cause both sons to die on the same day. Wow, that is costly. And that no one in Eli's family line would ever be allowed to reach old age. Can you even imagine that? I mean, that sounds really, really extreme. But two chapters later, the sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed in battle. And we're told that when Eli heard the report, he was so shocked that he fell backwards out of his chair and he hid his head in his neck and he broke his neck and died immediately. Now we're going to get to the practical application, but first I want to move to the next story and then we're going to compare and contrast the two. It's a story of another kind of dad. It was the story of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. We read about him normally just at Christmas, uh, but I think he applies very significantly here as we talk about dads. Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 21. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, let's be real about this. Even if God came to you in a dream, dads, I want you to think about this. You're, you're, you're with this new uh, bride of yours. You're engaged. And, and all of a sudden, you hear this story about how, wow, she's pregnant, and it's by the Holy Spirit. God could come to you in your dream and you're still going to have questions and doubts, right? I know that we'd at least be worried about people talking about what was actually going on. And you know the gossip would have been extreme, just, just like it would be today. But Joseph was resolute. And this was all even before Jesus was born. Like These are all the hallmarks, the, all the, the character attributes of someone who's going to be an incredible father. With every single challenge that Joseph faced, he stepped up. He obeyed what God told him to do and was led by the Holy Spirit to protect and, and provide for Jesus and Mary. That's evidence of a good, good father. So, so what did God rebuke 
Eli for? And what did God commend Joseph for? And we're not even getting at all of the son's bad behaviors, but let's compare and contrast the two, Eli and Joseph. I see three big things when I look at the two of them. The first one that I see is that while Eli failed in putting God first, Joseph humbly accepted his role as servant of God. Eli failed at putting God first, but Joseph accepted his role as servant of God. Listen, Eli had plenty of excuses. We're told right there in the story that he's old. He was tired. Uh, Of course, these seem like legitimate excuses. We've all failed to speak up. I know I have. I know when I get really tired, sometimes it's at the end of the week, and I know that I need to confront my daughters about something or talk to them about some of their behavior or attitude or whatever, or talk to someone else about it. It's a lot easier to do that with your first kid than it is with your second, third, fourth, fifth kids. Can I get an amen from anybody? It's so much easier. You feel like you, you've got the, the energy to, to have the conversation earlier on in parenting than you do later on. It's just the same way in the week. Like when you start out your week, you have all this energy to have all the right conversations and then you get worn out. And, and to top it off, like for Eli, I'm sure that it felt way more loving to him He felt like he was being more loving to his sons by just giving them a half-hearted rebuke. But what did the half-hearted rebuke bring? It required no change. That half-hearted parenting that Eli demonstrated, it showed that he didn't actually love his sons as much as God wanted him to. Because we know from the whole counsel of Scripture that love confronts things when necessary. And this was most certainly necessary. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, it says, if someone is caught in sin, those of you who are led by the Spirit are supposed to go and have a conversation with them to, with the goal being restoration to gently restore them. But Joseph loved God. Joseph, Joseph was in a different place in his relationship with God than Eli was. He, he loved God so much that he went against all of what he saw and he uh, held off the fear that he had about everything that people would say about him or, or to him or about Mary or about Jesus. He sacrificed his reputation for Mary and Jesus. Dads who are empowered by the Holy Spirit will do that. Not by their own will, but by the one who called them to it. Here's the second comparison that I see in in these two stories. Eli prioritized his own comfort, but Joseph prioritized provision and protection for his family. I'm going to say it again. Eli prioritized his own comfort. He didn't want to, he just didn't want to do it. It was easier not to. But Joseph prioritized provision and protection for his family. Let's be real. No one thinks it's fun to, to, uh, Discipline. Like, no one wants to be disciplined, and no good parent actually desires to discipline. It's not fun to do it. We'd rather have peace with our kids than to get into it with them, right? It's so much easier to, to go along, to get along, right? It feels that way. Eli was old and his sons were grown, but he still had a responsibility, and he refused to take away the positions of authority that he had granted his sons, even though he recognized that their character was not as, as great as their calling was. 
And when character doesn't meet calling, uh, there's always going to be a disaster. They committed grave acts of sin against God and against people. And it was easier to be quiet. It was more comfortable. So Eli took the easy way out. But Joseph walked into the storm. He walked into the things that were hard. And he did it the right way, all while being led by the Holy Spirit. Once again, Joseph's family was at risk, this time by the murderous King Herod. So after Jesus was born, they, they, they had to escape and they went to Egypt. God gave Joseph another warning in a dream. And, and once again, Joseph responded with honor and with valor. And he left for Egypt until they got word that Herod had died. That's what good dads do. They're not afraid to walk into a storm. And even if they're afraid, they know that it's the right thing to do. And they're going to do it to provide for and protect their families. The book of Proverbs speaks to this a lot. Like there, there's so much guidance for us in how we care for our families. Proverbs 29, 15, not, not a super popular passage for people today, but it says, A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom. But a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. I would add that a child left undisciplined disgraces its father too. And it, can we just say as a community, when we see kids that are undisciplined, they are just not fun to be around. There's a reason for that. Then in verse 17, um, scripture says, Discipline your child and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. Oh my gosh, Like, doesn't that ring true? It's just the truth. Here's our final uh, comparison that I see today. Eli chose the wide road for how he addressed and cared for his sons, but Joseph chose the narrow way. As followers of Jesus, we're often faced with roads, and we see people on wide roads, but we're told in Scripture that wide is the road that leads to destruction, and, and narrow is the way to life, and few will find it. Why? Is it that it's so impossible to find? I don't think so. I think it's that it's hard to get yourself to commit to a narrow road and say no to all the other things that we want. So Eli chose that wide road. He chose himself over his care for his sons and his love for God. But Joseph chose the narrow way. We're told that Eli knew what his sons had done. They stole, they committed um, extortion, um, they uh, abused women who were there in the temple for worship for their own sexual desires. And all he did in response to that was give them the proverbial slap on the wrist. So what did his sons do? Absolutely nothing because there weren't any consequences. They knew that their dad was all bark and no bite. And our kids know that about us too. Our kids know if you, when you say something, if you mean it. Um, how do I know that? I, I, can, I can watch families for, for minutes and, and I can tell and I can see, I can see patterns in families and I can see it in my own. I know 100% that when I have said something that I'm not going to follow through on and I always reap the consequences for it. If we tell our kids to do something and they don't and there are no consequences for their actions, what do we think is going to happen? Well, I can tell you that if we do that consistently enough, we are raising children that are going to become adults who live as though they don't have to answer to anyone but themselves. And that's just not 
a good life. That's not the, the reality of life. We all have to answer to someone. Let's set up our kids to be disciplined and ready to answer um, in the world in a way that's honoring to God and is caring for people. Now, here's the thing. We don't know a ton about Joseph's life. Like, we don't have a lot uh, uh, about him. We don't even know exactly when he died. Most scholars believe that Joseph died somewhere between Jesus being 12 and the start of his ministry at 30. So we kind of narrowed it down to an 18-year time span. Um, what we do know about Jesus, well, about Joseph, though, um, we can actually ascertain that he was an honorable and kind and loving man. He listened to God and he honored others above himself. He put other people before him. Uh, because of that, we also know um, that in their culture at that time, he would have taught Jesus his trade. Um, he was a carpenter, so he would have taught Jesus also how to be a carpenter. And he clearly would have taught Jesus to be someone who followed God. He taught Jesus from a very young age the ways of God very diligently because that's what Jewish families did. We have every reason, every reason to believe that Joseph was the kind of father that did right by his family. We're not at all suggesting that he was perfect. He's a human just like us. But in every way, um, I believe that he made his father in heaven proud. Proverbs 22, verse 6, it tells us, Start children off the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I want to share a few closing thoughts related to all of this. Here's the first one. The difference between Eli and Joseph may seem complicated, but I believe it can be distilled very, very simply. It's just like this. If you take nothing else from the sermon, hear this. If you keep in step with the Spirit of God, you will live in a way that honors him and the people that he has put in your care. If you keep in step with the Spirit of God, you're going to honor him and you're going to take care of the people that God has put in your charge. You're just going to do it. Joseph did it, but Eli failed to in the life of his sons. We have a choice. Choose Joseph's way. Here's the second. While our focus today has been on fathers, it's true. The very same principles apply to moms and singles and kids. I want you all to ask yourselves this question. Am I consistently saying yes to the things of God as revealed to me in the Bible and being obedient to him as he puts people in my path? In other words, are you seeking to, to follow the Lord, to be obedient to the call of God um, as you see in the Bible? Are you saying yes to the things of God and, and, and more consistently no to the things that you know God doesn't want for you? Are, you? are you being more kind to the people that God brings in your path? Are you seeking to put other people first more as you move along this journey of life? If you are doing that, then your life is going to be pleasing to your Heavenly Father just like Joseph's. Here, here's the final thing I'll say. You may do all the right things. You can raise your children in church. You can, you can pray with them every day. You can lead them in Bible studies. You, you can make sure that you're not watching things that you shouldn't so that they don't watch things they shouldn't. You can do every single thing right. But guess what? They still get to choose their paths. Ultimately, just like you have chosen your path, your kids get to do the same. Make sure that you don't take too much credit if they choose well. 
and that you don't take too much blame if they don't. The single greatest thing that you can do, uh, dads and any adults in this room, point the next generation to Jesus. If he is your hope right now and, and for the kingdom to come, don't be quiet about it. Shine your light brightly. For any of you listening today and you just know deep down that you are not right with God, you, you know that, that you don't, you're not secure in your relationship with him. I, I want to make sure that you know how you can change that today. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, he said, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That sounds really simple, and you probably almost feel like you need to do something more. And I just want to tell you, it's because Jesus did it for you. He is inviting you to make your way home to him. If you turn and you look at him, say, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you just said, yes, I declared that Jesus is Lord. I believe that God raised him from the dead. I want to hear from you. And I want you to know this. The greatest legacy that you will ever leave has nothing to do with fame or wealth. But it has to do with a spiritual heritage that points each generation to come their way home. I'll be back with you in just a couple minutes.